Hey, you're listening to the podcast for Mid-City Vineyard Church. Mid-City Vineyard is located in the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana on Canal Street. My name is Brian. My wife, Christy, and I pastor Mid-City Vineyard. You can find out more about us on Facebook, Mid-City Vineyard Church. Follow us on Instagram, at Mid-City Vineyard, or online, midcityvineyard.org. One thing we want you to be aware of, we will be celebrating our one-year birthday, a one-year anniversary, on February the 18th. That is a Saturday night at 6.30, and uh, that particular evening, we'd love to invite you to, to join us as we will have a number of people who are part of the community of faith just sharing about uh, how Mid-City Vineyard uh, has impacted their lives and more importantly, how the Spirit of God has really been moving in their lives over this last year. For the podcast today, uh, in light of the recent uh, inauguration of a new president, uh, we've decided to simply read the book of Philippians. There's a little bit of commentary before and after. Uh, in the podcast, so you'll pick that up there. Much peace to you and to yours. But tonight we're gonna we're gonna keep going. We've been in this series for the last uh, two weeks called Seeds and Souls, and I really I couldn't decide where I wanted to go with this this evening, and uh, I was pretty much I, for whatever reason I could not sleep at all last night. I'm just praying about it and thinking about it, and it's like I don't know, God, what are you what are you saying to our community right here? And uh, one of the things that I've been really processing is just watching uh, different uh, thoughts and different actions and different reactions to uh, the swearing-in yesterday of uh, Donald Trump as the new president. And, you know, we did a series back in November uh, before the election called, uh, it was called Hope, Hope 2016. And that whole series was leading up to the election, really trying to help us understand as followers of Christ, what does the election really mean to us as followers of Christ? It was not a who to vote for or anything like that. It was more of regardless of who's in office, how does that affect us and impact us as followers of Christ? Because the church has a very clear mission. The church has a very clear uh, mandate from Christ as the people of Christ who are part of a kingdom that is not of this world. And, and so that, if you want to go back and listen to that series, you might, you might find some, some hope in that. Uh, but as I watched it unfold, especially yesterday on Twitter uh, and on Facebook and on the news networks, it was pretty interesting because, once again, you, you quickly come to realize, okay, uh, yeah, this is a, a country that is pretty much divided. <laughs> uh, there are those who are incredibly excited that uh, Trump is now the president, and there are those who are incredibly frustrated uh, and angry. So that, that's obvious. I don't think we really needed anyone to tell us that. But in case you did, just go back through your Facebook feed and, and, and you'll figure that out quickly. Uh, but here are some other things that became incredibly obvious once again to me yesterday. And these things actually struck a nerve much deeper in me. Uh, something I noticed yesterday once again is just how much America thinks that America is God's gift to the world. I'm, I'm, I'm really amazed at, at how, how much, um, <laughs> and, and I speak as one, I say this as one who's had the opportunity to travel to other nations, uh, other countries, uh, able to travel to Israel, able to travel into the West Bank of Israel, the Palestine, under Palestinian Authority, uh, able to travel to Ethiopia, and able to travel to Mexico, and able to travel to Zambia, a couple places in Africa. And it's interesting because 
the rest of the world doesn't necessarily think that America is the gift to the world that America thinks it is to the world. It's very fascinating. But America definitely thinks that it is not only a gift to the world, but most many Americans believe that America is God's gift to the world, as though God was like, this whole world is just like a, a giant hellhole, and I need to figure out a way to save the world. I'll send America. That's really the story that, that you get. And I want to push back against that, and, and I know that I even might catch some real flack and crap on, on this, and that's, I, I, I invite, you guys know this, I invite conversation. Let us, let us talk, email me, call me, let us sit and drink coffee. But I would push back and say that God looked upon the earth and he said, wow, uh, there, it, it seems to be a real mess. Um, I need to send some, I need to do something to, to redeem and to reconcile and save the world. And it wasn't America, it was Jesus Christ. It was God himself in the flesh saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure this out. And I'm going to do it through a people. But it won't be the American people. It'll be through, through my son and through those who come to follow and surrender their lives. Something else that was obvious to me yesterday was that uh, many Christians uh, have placed their hope in a form of government and or in, in, in a country, in this country. In this country, many Christians have placed their hope in this country. Just so you know, uh, once again, and you guys, many of you, I mean, you know this, we, you're, we're smart people, I, I think, but um, people who live in Ethiopia have not placed their hope in the American government. People who live in Mexico have not placed their hope in the American government. It's interesting, people in Ethiopia have not placed their hope in the Ethiopian government. Many Christians in Ethiopia have placed their hope solely in Christ. Uh, and I say that after having sat with many, many a Christian in Ethiopia. But as I was listening to the prayers of the pastors yesterday uh, at the inauguration, and, and, and once again, uh, there was this, there's this marriage of, of um, the flag and the faith. There is this marriage of the flag and the faith. And, and it hasn't always been that way for Christians. It hasn't always been that way. It's only been that way for the last, uh, well, it, it started actually in 400 A.D. when uh, Constance, Constantine and uh, Theosidus uh, made Christianity the official religion of Rome. And when they married the Roman flag and the Roman shield and the Roman sword to the cross of Christ and then went forth in war with the cross of Christ etched on the Roman shields, conquering the whole world for Christ in the name of Christ, while they just slaughtered people left and right. And so you can kind of see where it started to get messy. And here we are some 1,600 years later, and we're, you know, we're still trying to figure out how, did, how, does this, how does this work. In 60 AD, and this is, this is where we're going with this tonight, and, and then it's, it might get really strange or it might get really cool. I'm, I'm not sure yet. Um, in 60 AD, the Apostle Paul was in prison. The Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament. He was in prison, and he wrote a letter to a church in Philippi. We know the, the letter. It's in the scriptures, and the letter is Philippians to the people in Philippi. Now, here's, here's how one uh, theologian expresses, uh, explains, and sets up the letter. He says, Philippi was a Roman colony in the mountains of northern Greece, and it was full, this, this uh Roman colony was full of fiercely patriotic uh, Italian. Uh, where'd my? Hold on, I'm sorry. My notes just uh, disappeared. You gotta be kidding me. 
That quote just disappeared. Does anybody have my notes? Oh, well. Okay, here, maybe this is it. This is it. Okay. Philippi was a Roman colony in the mountains of northern Greece. It was full of fiercely patriotic Italian war veterans who despised Jews who were followers of Christ. The patriotism in the Roman cities involved festivals. The festivals were in honor of the leader, Caesar. The festivals were in honor of the goddess, uh, Roma, and other gods. And the whole town would actually pour into the streets for processions with banners and flags and images and sacrificial rites and speeches and food. And the Jews and the Christians who did not show up to these festivals to support, those Jews and those Christians were considered unpatriotic and antisocial. Now, here's, here's a very fascinating thing. Keep in mind that the people, the Jews at this time, were at the bottom of the totem pole. Okay, so Rome was a pagan society at this time. Okay, remember, because now we're dating back to 2000, or, or just to 0 AD. We're, we're now 30, 30, around 60 AD. Okay, it's 60 years after Christ. And Rome is a pagan, secular society. And so the Jews and the Christians, see, the, the Romans would say, Caesar is Lord, and the Jews, who had become followers of Christ, would say, Jesus is Lord. And so now you're, you're at a crossroads. It's like, well, who are you going to serve? We say Caesar is Lord. Well, we say Jesus is Lord. And so those, that would be considered, you know, you're coming up against the authority. And so Jews and Christians or Jews who are becoming followers of Christ were being killed. No, say Caesar is Lord. We will not say Caesar is Lord. We will not follow the ways of Caesar. We will not take part in Caesar's system. Jesus is our Lord. And if Caesar asks us to do something that goes against Jesus is our Lord, we can't do it. We won't do it. And therefore, we, we, we're, not, we're not going to celebrate Caesar. We're not going to do those things. And so they were looked down upon. They were persecuted. See, in America, just so we're clear, Christians are not persecuted. Christians just aren't persecuted. It's not really persecution when you say, I'm a Christian, and somebody goes, Christian, why do you follow Jesus? That's not really persecution. See, persecution is, is, is more like when people uh, are, are despised or when, when, they, when they are when it, when, it, when it affects them because they're a Christian, all of a sudden it affects them financially or, or it starts being taken out on their family or it affects them in any, in any number of ways. But being scoffed at or being laughed at or being spit upon is not really persecution. Does that make sense to you? These people were being killed. So here's what happens. And this is what I think we're to do tonight. Paul writes a letter. And he just says, here's the deal, Philippians. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to write this letter to you. And I personally, I think this letter is very relevant to us. And I don't, I'm not going to unpack it. I'm just going to read it. And that's what we're going to do tonight. So I want to invite you to, to tune in as though Paul were actually speaking to us. And what would it be like? What kinds of things does he highlight? What kinds of things does he lowlight? Because sometimes I think we major in things that are minor, and we minor in things that are major across the board. And maybe, maybe we're just kind of missing what, what, what God might be saying to us. And so here, here's how we go. Paul and Timothy, both of us committed servants of Jesus. We write this letter to all of the followers of Jesus in New Orleans. Imagine that. Now really. So we write this letter to you guys. 
And we write it to the, the church, and we write it to the pastors and to the ministers. And we greet you with grace and peace that comes from God, our Father. Now, every time you cross my mind, I actually get excited. I thank God when I think about you. It's, it's incredible, and it drives me to prayer. I find myself praying with a glad heart for all of you. I'm so pleased that you are continuing on, that you're believing, that you're proclaiming the message of God uh, from the day you heard it right up until now in the present. There's never been the slightest doubt in my mind that God who started this great work in you would keep it going and would bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day that Christ does return. So here's my prayer. I pray that you, every one of you in this room and you as a community, I pray that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but that you'll love well. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere, so that it is intelligent and it's not just sentimental gush. I want you to live a lover's life, circumspect and exemplary, a life Jesus will be proud of, bountiful in fruits from the soul, making Jesus attractive to everyone. Getting everyone involved in the glory and praise of God. I, I want to report to you that I've, I've been in prison here for some time and it has not had its intended effect. Now, here's what's going on. Instead of being squelched, the message of Jesus is actually going forward. All of the, the soldiers here and everyone else, they have found out that I'm in jail because of Christ and it's piqued their curiosity and now they've learned all about him. Not only that, but most of the followers of Jesus here have, uh, have become far more sure of themselves in the faith than ever, speaking fearlessly about God, about the Messiah. You might even consider, friends, this is my interjection, but you might even consider if we had a brother or a sister, a follower of Christ who was currently jailed in Iraq or Afghanistan or in China, that's what it would be like for Paul. They would be writing back saying these very things. That's because there's true persecution there. And so they might say it's true that some preach Christ... Uh, uh, and now it, Paul says in this situation, he says, um, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to continue to celebrate. I'm going to keep going on because I know how this is going to turn out. Your faithful prayers, your generous response to the spirit of Christ, everything that he wants to do in and through us will be done. I can hardly wait to keep going on my course when I get out of jail. I don't expect to be embarrassed at the least. On the contrary, everything happening to me in jail only serves to make Christ more beautifully known, regardless of whether I live or die. They didn't shut me up. They actually gave me a pulpit. Here I am. I'm alive. I'm Christ's messenger. If I'm dead, I'm his bounty. So life or, life or death, I don't really know. I could go either way. But since I'm alive, there's good work for me to do. If I had to choose right now, I hardly know which one I would choose. It's a hard choice. But the desire to break camp here and to be with Christ, it's very powerful. Some days I think of nothing that would be better. But then most days, because of what you're going through and because of what's happening, I decide I'm going to stick it out here. I plan to be around for a while. And so we're going to keep praising Christ and enjoying one another. So here's what I want you to do, church. I want you to live in such a way that you are actually a credit to the message of Jesus Christ. Live in such a way that you're a credit to the message of Jesus Christ, not just on Saturday night, not just on Sunday, but in your everyday life. Live in such a way that you're a credit 
to Jesus Christ. Let nothing in your conduct hang on whether uh, I come to see you or not. Your conduct must be the same whether I show up and I see the things myself or I hear it from a distance. Stand united together in a singular vision. Contend for the people's trust in the message, the good news, not flinching or dodging in the slightest before the opposition. Your courage and your unity will show them what they're up against. Defeat for them, victory for you, and both because of God. There's far more to this life than trusting in Christ. There's also suffering for him. And the suffering is as much a gift as the trusting. You're involved in the same kind of struggle you saw me go through, on which you are now getting an updated report. If you've gotten anything out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends with one another. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside. Help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourselves the way Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God. But he didn't think so much of himself as that to cling to his advantages. Actually, he set aside his privilege of being God and took on the status of a slave. He became a human being. And he stayed human. It was incredibly humbling. He didn't claim special privileges. He lived selfless. He lived obedient. Then he died selfless. He died obedient. And he died at the hands of the Romans, a crucifixion. But God lifted him. Here's the good news. God lifted him. He lifted him high. He lifted him from the dead. He gave him honor. He honored him. He gave him, put everything under his hand on heaven and on earth. Even those long ago dead and buried will bow and they will worship Jesus Christ. They will call praises out to him. So what am I getting at? Well, I'm, I'm simply saying keep doing what you've been doing. Keep moving. Keep loving Christ. Keep loving one another. Keep working for what is right. Quit the bickering. Quit the fighting. Keep moving forward. This is what you've been doing. When I was living among you, you lived in obedience. Now I'm separated from you. Keep it up. Actually, let's do this. Double down. Double down. Redouble your efforts. Love more. Be more merciful. Work harder for what's right. Be energetic in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive before God. The energy is God's energy and the energy deep within you. God himself, willing and working. Do everything readily and cheerfully in your life. No bickering, no second guessing. Go out in the world uncorrupted. Go out into the world. Leave here. This is what Paul's saying. Leave here. Go out into the world uncorrupted. A breath of fresh air in this polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of a living God. Carry the light. Carry the message into the night. So I'll have good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ returns. And even if I get killed, I'm rejoicing. I'm rejoicing for you. So don't be sorry. Don't feel sorry for me. <laughs> I'm on my way to reaching Christ. It's just a bit more. 
So don't get me wrong. I don't count myself to be an expert. I don't have all this right. But I've got my eye on the goal. I understand, Paul says, what we're striving for. Where God's beckoning in us onward. I'm off and I'm running. And I'm not turning back. So you stay focused. Keep track of the ones, one another, who are running the same course, who are headed the same direction. There are lots of people out there who are taking other paths. There are lots of people out there who are choosing other goals. There are lots of people out there who are trying to get you to go with them. And I've warned you about this, but I'm doing it again. I want you to stay on task. Others are trying to take you down easy street. And they don't, uh, they don't appreciate, they don't value, they don't love Christ cross. They don't like this idea that they might have to suffer in order to attain the goal. See, many people are taking shortcuts and they're fighting the violence with the violence. But I'm telling you, that's not how Christ does it. So come under and serve people. Easy street in the long uh, road is a dead end. And those who live there make their bellies their gods Belches are their praise, and all they can think of is their appetites. But there's far more life for us because we are citizens of heaven. We're waiting for Christ to return, and he will transform our earthly bodies into glorious bodies. He'll make us beautiful. So I urge you, in conflict with each other, those of you who are in conflict with each other, iron it out, figure it out, fix it. Be reconciled to each other. And there are others of you in the room who should come along and help because God does not want his children holding grudges against one another. Finally, celebrate God. Celebrate God every day. Celebrate God in every moment of your life. Celebrate God in everything that you do. Make it as clear as you can to all people that you meet that you're on the side of working with God and that you're on the side of working with them, not against them. Help people see that the master, God, is about to arrive. Don't fret and don't worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions ask and let the praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. But you know it, before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Summing it all up, meditate on things that are true. Meditate on things that are noble. Meditate on things that are authentic. Meditate on things that are compelling. Meditate on that which is gracious. Meditate on the best, not the worst. Meditate on what is beautiful, not ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Put this into practice. Put it into practice. The things that you're learning, put it into practice. Put into practice what you've seen, what you've realized, what you've learned from those who have been following Christ before you. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work in you his most beautiful and excellent harmonies. Receive and experience the amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ, deep, deep within yourselves.
This is the word of the Lord. This is how Paul would have spoken. This is how it would have been done. Paul would have written and it would have been read and the people would have said, Amen. Paul seems to pack about, I don't know, I could take Philippians and I might do this, but I could probably make about 30 messages out of that. <laughs> and he did it in one, 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 one go round. Slight commentary, and then we're going to share communion together. The Christians in that day understood that before Jesus came, they were living as subjects. They were, they were Jews, they were Gentiles, but they were living as subjects to the Roman Empire. The thing is, they weren't insiders. You know who it was hardest to become a Christian in those early centuries? The hardest people, the ones who had the hardest time becoming Christians, were those who had privilege in Rome. People who lived in Rome and who were Roman citizens, who were not under Roman power, so to speak, like the Jews were on the outskirts, the ones who had the hardest time coming to Christ were those who were Roman citizens because what they understood the message to be is when you come to Christ, you are leaving behind your citizenship. Your Roman citizenship takes secondary form to your kingdom citizenship. And when your kingdom citizenship comes first, it might cause you to stand up against certain things that Rome is asking you. And when you do that, persecution will come your way. You see, in our society, I, I, I remind you again that we're at the top of the totem pole. In America, and as Americans, we are at the top of the totem pole. It's, it's easier, the gospel spreads much easier in countries where people have absolutely nothing and they just need hope and they see that, wait, Jesus has come to, to fix the world. He's come to redeem the world. He's come to reconcile the world. And like, it, you can get in on it now, but you have to understand there's a beautiful life that's, that when Christ comes back to, it starts now and it goes on forever. But see, as Americans who are at the top of the totem pole, this is hard. This is really hard. But I'd say to us, church, that our hope is not in Republican or Democrat. Our hope is not in America. Our hope is not in any nation. Our hope is in Christ. And since it's in Christ, we are called to surrender all of our lives to Christ, and to come under Christ. And now, in, in, this, in this setting, when it stands against Christ, then we stand for it, whatever it is. And Paul says over and over again, he says, just keep going, keep doing it. But I might be persecuted. I might be scoffed at. I might be laughed at. I might be actually executed. You won't be executed here. <laughs> You'll be ridiculed on Facebook badly. Uh, So Spirit of God, in this place, I, I just, I really, I don't want to give much commentary more than that because, Lord, I think that there is great power in the words that Paul wrote some 2,000 years ago. And so, Holy Spirit, we say come. And we ask now in this place that you would reveal to us 
Lord, are there places in our own hearts and there are places in our own lives? Are there places within our own community of faith where, where we're placing our trust somewhere else? Are there places where we're, we, we get our passion and our excitement and our peace? I mean, is our peace coming from something else? Lord, may we continue to be people who seek first your kingdom. May we be those who seek first your rule. Continue to teach us and form us and shape us and mold us in the ways of your kingdom. Spirit of God. Thank you. I'm going to pick the guitar back up, and here's what we're going to do. I want us to share communion together because it's at the communion table where we really come to realize that, I mean, this, this is where our hope is. This is where our life is found. It's in the fact that Christ has destroyed the walls that separate human beings from one another. Christ has demolished the walls. Christ has destroyed the walls that separate black from white. Christ has destroyed the walls that separate man from woman. Christ has destroyed the walls that separate the rich from the poor. Christ has destroyed the walls that separate Americans from Canadians, from Mexicans, from Hondurans. Christ has destroyed the wall that separates you know, uh, people who are straight from people who are gay. Christ has destroyed the walls that separate Democrats from Republicans. Christ has destroyed the walls because when you come into the kingdom of God, there are no walls, but there's one humanity. This is the good news. This is what God is doing in the world. And God is saying, I want my church to be present to it so that you may make it present to the rest of the world. The church has got to get this. And we do this at the table. We share the table together. And so I invite you to stand. And here's how we're going to do this. When you come to the table, you come with a friend. You come with a few friends. You come with strangers. Because at the table, we're one humanity and we're one family. And you come to the table and we break the bread that represents the body of Christ that was broken so that we might be forgiven for sin so that we might be reconciled to one another, so we, we might be reconciled to creation, so that we might be reconciled to God. And we dip it in the, the juice that represents the blood of Jesus Christ, whose blood was poured out for redemption of the whole world. The whole cosmos is being redeemed. It's happening. It's happening. And so we share this together. And, and, and as part of our communion tonight, I invite you to come to the communion table to share communion. And then I invite you to bring your offerings because we're going to take care of the community tonight because we have those in our community who are in need and who are hurting. And so I invite you to bring your offering. I invite you to bring your money. I invite you to bring what you have so that we might give and, and spread it out in our community here so that we might take care of one another. So you can place checks and cash in the in the. Uh, jar, or you can pull out your phones and, and give on push pay. And uh, matter of fact, I'm going to ask you to do that first and then come to the communion table.
because we're going to add it up and then we're going to distribute it like right here. That's what we're going to do tonight. So if you have your phone, push pay app, or you can give right there. And here's the last, if you don't have a phone, if you don't have your push pay app, if you don't have your checkbook and you don't have cash, but you want to be a part of this, write down on a piece of paper how much money you're going to bring next week. And I'm going to just add it to the total, okay? Write down on a piece of paper and bring it up, bring it up here to me. So let's give of our offerings first, and then we will, uh, and then we will uh, share the table together. And all the while, we'll, we'll start worshiping with this song, High King of Heaven.